You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com. The scripture reading today is Acts 3, verses 11 through 21. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that all your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we are all able to increase our faith, increase our understanding of you, and just know that you are the healer and that in you, you make all things new, just like the song we just sang. Um, and that is just song still just echoing in my brain right now. And I think for all of us, and many, all of us, not just many of us, all of us, there's something that every one of us needs to be healed physically or mentally or emotionally. And um, I just pray that we are seeking you, Lord, seeking you for that healing and seeking you to make all things new. And I ask this in your precious son's name, amen. Thank you, Jonna. Good morning to all of you. Um, I wanted to start off this morning uh, just by uh, thanking you for those of you who have been praying and supporting uh, myself and my family during this time. Uh, that we've called the sabbatical. I'm not really sure that's the exact right name for that. Um, it's more like emergency medical leave or something like that. I don't really know what to call it. Um, but I, I just, and it seems like there's a lot more healing that's yet to be had. And so you can be uh, in, continue, in continued prayer for uh, myself and my family. Uh, but I did want to thank you all for all the ways in which you've reached out and supported and prayed for me and all those kinds of things. So, so thank you for that. Uh, and now I'm going to shift gears really, really hard, <laughs> okay? 
and uh, talk about Undercover Boss. Um, how many of you have seen the show Undercover Boss? You guys seen that show? I don't think it's on TV anymore, so not everybody has. So basically, the premise of the show is given to you by the title. Okay, so what happens is there's a boss, a CEO, CFO of a, of a company. Usually it's a large company, maybe encompassing the entire United States, something like that. And they, they are disguised, and then they go into the field, and so uh, and they start interacting with different workers within their company to so sort of like get a read on how the company is, is doing. Now, if you've ever seen the show before, um, there are a couple of episodes where um, the, the people who are working with the undercover boss, they sort of misuse him. They mistreat the undercover boss without knowing that he's the boss. Now, what's interesting about that is at, at the end of the episode, what always happens is there's this, this big reveal, right? Normally, so that the employees learn that they've been interacting with the CEO of the entire company. And usually they're brought into this meeting at headquarters or whatever, and then they see who they've been interacting with for the first time without a disguise, and they're learning that he's the CEO of the company. Now, I have seen a couple of episodes where you know, that big reveal happens, and let's say the employee has mistreated the boss, and you kind of see them sort of like shrivel up and go, oh, oh wow, um, I didn't know. And they, I've even heard one time one employee said, am I fired now? Right? And you can imagine why that would be the case. Now, that, that moment, I want you to keep that moment in mind where there's this, the boss is revealed, right? And then there's that fear that comes over you, and you're asking the question, oh, wow, am I fired, right? Because that kind of encapsulates a lot of what I want to talk about um, this morning. So the last time that we were together, which admittedly was a while ago, like a month ago now, Right? We were looking, just beginning to look at this address that Peter was giving to this crowd that had come around him in Solomon's portico in the temple in Jerusalem. They had just healed, Jesus had healed this lame beggar. He had been healed for how long? Do you remember? Since birth for over 40 years. So what that required was like muscles that weren't there to grow. Okay, so this, this is quite something. Right? And they saw him leaping even, walking, praising God. So they're definitely at least curious about what's going on. So they follow the disciples, Peter and John, into Solomon's portico, along with the lame man, and they have all these questions. And Peter addresses them. Now, now what's interesting about Peter's address to them is that he starts off with this indictment. He sort of lays these charges out to them. And if you were to summarize it, the, the charge is basically this. You should have, or if you had, recognized who Jesus was, right? The author of life, God's glorified servant, the righteous one, the holy one, all these titles that he gives. If you would have recognized who Jesus was, then you would not be surprised by this healing because you would know that Jesus has the authority to make people whole. But because Jesus, he entered into his creation in disguise, 
undercover, right? First a baby, but even grew up to be a, a humble man, right? He made himself a servant. Because he did that, this crowd, like just think about, you know, those employees that mistreated the undercover boss. You did not recognize Jesus, and you even killed the author of life. So that, that, that's how Peter begins this message to this crowd. Like, this healing wouldn't be surprising to you if you recognized who Jesus was. So that's kind of like the first part of, of this message, right? In, in true enclave fashion, we're going to give a message that, you know, would take one minute to read, <laughs> and then we're going to split it out over the course of, like, several sermons, because it's so jam-packed. That's part of the reason. So that's, that's how it starts. But then the next thing that he does in the, in the section that we're going to be looking at this morning is he, he seems to, Peter, seems to sort of anticipate and then respond to these two questions that would have naturally arisen in the mind of somebody who figures out, oh, wow, um, Jesus isn't who we thought he was. He's actually the author of life, and that has been confirmed by the fact that he's been raised from the dead. Right? And, and so these questions are not like recorded in the text, but you can sort of see how Peter is anticipating these unspoken questions and, and then responding to them. So this is what I submit to you the unspoken questions are. There's two of them, and they sort of make the structure for our sermon this morning. So the first question is, okay, you're learning all this, this big reveal has happened, and you're asking the question, okay, did, did we just mess up the plan of God? That's the first question. The second question is, okay, um, are we too far gone now? Like, are we fired? This big reveal has happened, are, are we fired now? Right, so let's walk through that. The first question is, did we mess up the plan of God? Right? That's the question that you would naturally arise in your mind. Like you, hey guys, you killed God's Messiah. Right? That's what the Jews are waiting for. You killed God's Messiah. And you're thinking, oh man, did we mess up the plan of God? And Peter's answer to that is interesting. He, he basically says, no, you acted in ignorance, but this was, this was God's plan all along. So first, you acted in ignorance. He says in verse 17, and now, brothers, so he's referring to the Jewish people that are there. Peter's a Jew himself. He says, and now, brothers, and we're going to talk about the significance of being Jewish next time, next week, Lord willing. But, but for now, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. <clears throat> now, when I, I read this again in, in preparation for this sermon, this kind of like, uh, I was kind of shocked by this statement, right? Because I'm thinking, really? Acted in ignorance. So the crowd didn't know that they were asking for Barabbas instead of Jesus? They, they, they didn't realize that they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, right? And then you think, okay, well maybe, maybe we can let the crowd off the hook because they're being instigated by the rulers. Maybe, maybe we could do that. But then what does it say? As did also your rulers. And th that's really like stumped me for a second there because I'm thinking the rulers didn't know that they were giving Jesus over to be crucified to Pontius Pilate. 
in John chapter 11, members of the Sanhedrin, which include the rulers that we're talking about, they, they literally meet together to plot Jesus' death. So how exactly are they acting in ignorance? It's interesting, right? But then if you think about it, this is exactly, Peter here is agreeing with what Jesus said on the cross. In the pre prequel to Acts, in the book of Luke, these are the words of Jesus recorded in, in Luke 23, 34. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What do Jesus and Peter mean? Well, I think that they know that they're crucifying Jesus, okay? But I don't think that they fully understand who Jesus is. And the reason why they don't is because they're, they have this, they're under this spiritual sickness, and, and even a, a demonic, you, you could even say demonic spell, if you will. So they're, they're, they are spiritually blind. So if you think about um, Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, he, he, he uses the same word that's used here, ignorance, to talk about a darkened understanding. Like they have a clouded understanding of what's going on. A, a hardened heart that's alienated from the life of God. Right, so uh, recognizing who the Messiah is, recognizing who Jesus is, that is spiritually discerned. You, you can't just see that with your natural eyes. So they are, they are blinded spiritually, but they're also under this kind of demonic spell. They're blinded by Satan himself. So Paul, again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he says these words. He talks about the God of this world, so lowercase g, the God of this world, that's our enemy Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Now, that being our spiritual condition, our spiritual ignorance doesn't absolve anybody from guilt. Like, you're not like now considered innocent because you were blind, right? But, but God does treat people with mercy and long-suffering, partly because, because of this. And that should do something. Knowing that should do something in you. For one, I think it, it should produce in me and in you compassion. Just to realize that without Christ, Right? Not only are we sinful rebels, but we're actually helpless victims of spiritual blindness. So if you think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, he looks over the crowd, the crowd that doesn't recognize him as their creator, as, as the, the author of life, as the Messiah that's come. And it says that he had compassion on them because he saw that they were harassed. Who are they harassed by? By the enemy. That they were helpless and without a shepherd. Right? So he has compassion on them. So it, it produces this compassion when you embrace this truth. And it also produces humility, doesn't it? You, you, you don't come to Jesus because you're a good person. You, you come to Jesus because God 
lifts the veil of your heart and says, let there be light. So that's 2 Corinthians uh, 4.6. I mentioned 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 earlier. So just in the same way in, in creation, at the beginning, he said, let there be light, and then light flooded into creation. Right? In the gospel, God says, let there be light, and then light floods into your heart so that you see Jesus for who he is. And in that moment, see, this is the interesting thing about Jesus. You, you, see, you see him. You see him rightly. With your eyes, you are changed. There's not like, uh, it's not, in a way there's a choice involved, but in a way it's kind of like not. It, it's so compelling. And, and, and what we find later, when we see Jesus face to face, right, 1 John 3, 2, you will be changed to be like him. Like, you won't try, like, oh, I really see how far I've, I've, you know, how I've come short of him. Okay, but I'm really motivated to really, really make up the difference now. No, no, no. His, 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 his beauty, his life, his light, is, it, when, it, when it's shine, like, we lift the veil, it's like, your face is shining, right? Like Moses, his face is shining. He, Moses didn't go, hey, you know what? This is so compelling to me. Let, let me just see if I can make my face shine right no, 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 no. You are transformed by the beauty of Jesus. Right? So that, you, yeah, it brings compassion. It brings humility. So what Peter is telling them, he's saying, yeah, okay, you, you did what you did in, in spiritual ignorance. You didn't know what you were doing. Right? You knew you were killing somebody, and that's wrong. That's sin. But you didn't realize the full the fullness of what you were doing. But God did. God, God was fully aware of what was going on. In fact, he used your spiritual ignorance to further his plan. Right? So look, look in verse um, 17 again, and then we'll read through 18. Peter says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that this Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Thus there means, in this way, he fulfilled. So you act in spiritual ignorance. God knows what he's doing. He even foretold this in the prophets. Right? So Isaiah 53, the Messiah was going to be despised. He was going to be rejected. He was going to be pierced for our iniquities. 700 years before Jesus came, all that was prophesied about Jesus. Or in Psalm 22, that he would be mocked was prophesied regarding the Messiah. The fact that his bones would go out of joint was prophesied. The fact that his bones wouldn't break was prophesied. The fact that he would be pierced in his hands and his feet in Psalm 22 prophesies that. In Zechariah 13, 7, it says that the king shepherd, the shepherd king is going to be struck and the sheep are going to scatter. Right? What, what happened to the disciples after Jesus the king is struck? They scatter. In Zechariah 12, 10, it talks about how the Messiah would be pierced. And so what, so Peter's saying all those prophecies, and that's like specific prophecies, but Peter is also thinking about the whole of the Old Testament as a whole. By all of that, God used your spiritual ignorance 
to fulfill those prophecies. Not, he didn't fulfill them in spite of your spiritual ignorance. He filled them through your spiritual ignorance. So now, a lot of, a lot of readers of the Bible, they've noted that Peter's message in Acts chapter 2 and Peter's message in Acts chapter 3, there's these parallels between them. And so this is not the first time that Peter has kind of brought up this idea. Uh, it kind of reminds you, doesn't it, of Acts chapter 2, verse 23, where Peter said in that setting, this Jesus delivered up, that's a reference to the crucifixion, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This was God's plan. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So when it comes to the question, did we mess up the plan of God? Right? And this, this question becomes more pointed when you realize it's our sins that put Jesus, it's not just the crowd that put him on the cross. It's not just the rulers. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. Right? The Messiah was killed in part because of our sin. Did we mess up the plan of God? And Peter's answer is to say, now actually, God knew it all along. He knew it all along. And he used your spiritual ignorance to move his plan, his, he, to advance his kingdom. And so one of the themes in the book of Acts, which we've mentioned before, is that, is that God is sovereign over all circumstances. Nothing happens outside of his will. So what that means for you, if you belong to God's kingdom, is that there, in the end, there's really no setbacks. Even your setbacks are an advancement. And the, the, the cross of Christ, like being a major example of that. Like you would think, like what would be a major setback to the advancement of the kingdom of the Messiah? Well, how about if the Messiah is killed? That would seem to be a setback, right? But then it turns out to be this massive leap forward in the advancement of the kingdom of God. So maybe you're saying, okay, I get it. Like you're saying God can even use our spiritual ignorance to advance his kingdom. But aren't we still like personally doomed if we fall on the wrong side of that equation? I mean, like, well, how are we supposed to react upon learning that our sins are responsible for the death of the author of life, right? And that brings us to the second unspoken question that I think Peter addresses, right? Our, the second question is, are we too far gone? Like, are we fired? One of the most um, powerful moments, if you ever watch that show, um, Undercover Boss, and Sarah, probably a lot of this show is scripted, I, I don't know, but it works on me, you know, and, uh, and Sarah laughs at me because you, if I watch it, then I usually end up crying by the end, but, but one of the most powerful moments in that show is when the, the boss is revealed, right, and he is addressing a bad employee, not a good employee, a bad employee, and, and he says, look, I want to give you another chance. If you will only submit to my authority with reference to the company, 
right? And enter into a process of retraining. Have you ever seen that moment? There's several moments like that if you watch the show. And it's like, it's such a powerful picture, isn't it? Of God's grace and mercy and a call to repentance and to discipleship. Like our need to be forgiven, submit to authority, and then be in this process of retraining. Right? And, and, and you see this. And so just think of what Peter's addressing this crowd. They're just, the big reveal has happened. Jesus is actually the boss. Right? And you're guilty of killing him, not just mistreating him. You killed him. Right? And you're thinking at the moment, okay, you know, his resurrection, this miracle of this lame man, that, that proves that he is the boss. He's revealed, and you're thinking, man, what's the next moment going to be? Like, is it going to be condemnation? And then it turns out that it's not. It turns out to be this call to repentance. Because this is what Peter says next. In verse 19, he says, repent, therefore, and turn back. You've gone your own way. Now submit to the reign of of Jesus. We've talked about before, repentance is kind of like the other side of the coin to faith. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. And, and with reference to what Peter is talking about, he's saying, turn from your spiritual ignorance and then receive Jesus for who he really is. And then what Peter goes on to explain to them is to say, if you do, you can expect three things. And, and he gives three that's or three so that's, depending on your translation. When you see a that or so that in the English Bible, What you're probably going to read next has to do with the purpose of what is being said or the result of what is being said. Right? So he's he's going to say, hey, if you you turn and submit to Jesus, be part of his retraining program, right, then you can expect three things to happen. You can expect radical forgiveness, spiritual refreshment now, and universal restoration in the future. So let's walk through those. Radical forgiveness. Verse 19 again. He says, repent therefore and turn back that, so here's the first that, your sins may be blotted out. Now this this verb blotted out is used, for example, in the Greek translation of Genesis chapter 7 to talk about when God blotted out all the creatures that were walking on the face of the earth with the flood. Right? Did those creatures survive? No, <laughs> they did not survive the flood. They're gone, they're dead. Right? In, in extra biblical literature, the same word is used to, to blot out a papyrus, like an ancient piece of paper, blot out a papyrus to reuse for a different purpose. Paul uses this word in uh, uh, Colossians 2.14 to talk about how God completely cancels your uh, record of wrong by nailing it to the cross. Right? So what Peter is saying is if you turn to Jesus, you can expect God to drop a nuke on your sins. Past, present, future. It's, it's like obliterated. Right? And so I, I think we need to hear this because I don't know about you, but, but how many of you sometimes suffer not, not from 
the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit that's calling you back to the Father. It's like, a, it's like this whisper of love to come back. But the accusation of the enemy who wants to like rehash and like bring up past sins and I should have, I all this, uh, he wants to do that over and over. You need to hear that when you turn to Jesus, there is radical forgiveness. There is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Jesus, Romans 8.1. And so you have a new identity now. And, you're, and you, know, you, you look at your rap sheet and it says, paid in full, innocent, righteous before the law of God forever. And we're in the process of embracing that as true. Right? Do we still sin? Yes. But our sins have been paid for. And so when, when God is calling you back, he, he's just saying, no, 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 no. Like, just embrace what's already true of you. Come back to me. Satan is the other voice that's like, oh, yeah, you did do stuff that's wrong. That's why, that's why you shouldn't go before the presence of God. That's why you should feel guilty and just wallow in guilt. I know, no, discern the voices because they're very different. So that's one thing you can expect, radical forgiveness. The second thing that you can expect is spiritual refreshment. So looking back at verse 19, he says, repent therefore and turn back. And here's the second that of verse 20. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now this word refreshing is usually talked about in, in relative to like um, the, a cool breeze on a hot day. Or, or like drinking a, a cup of cold water on a, on a hot day. It's like, it's like this relief of pain. And you see it used in that way in the Old Testament. But then what's interesting is that Paul, in 2 Timothy 1.16, he talks about this, the same word, this refreshing that occurs when somebody came and visited him in prison. Like the, the, like the presence of another believer refreshed him in prison. Right? And I can testify to that kind of, I haven't been to prison yet, but I, I, I can testify to that reality. Like, you know, I, I go to the living room of the Hyatts, the backyard of the Fiorinis, the, ki- the, the kitchen of the Hansons. You know, I, I could tell, you know, when I am with you guys on Sunday morning, there is, there is a refreshment that happens in the presence of, of other believers, right? Now, now think, now keep that in mind, and now think about this. This he says, if you turn to Jesus, you're going to experience this time of refreshment. As I said earlier, there, there's this parallel between what Peter preached on Pentecost and what uh, Peter preaches in Solomon's portico, and, and one of the parallels is from Acts chapter two, verse thirty-eight. And then verses 19 and 20 of our passage. And if you put them side by side, you see Peter's kind of like, he's addressing the same things. He he addresses um, repentance, the forgiveness of sins, and then in our passage, the time of refreshment. But then in Pentecost, he says it a different way. It's about the bestowal of the Holy Spirit. And I submit to you that I think, think we read them together. So the times of refreshment are the end time giving of the Holy Spirit 
where we experience, right? Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So <clears throat> what, what Peter's saying is, not when you come to Jesus, not only are your sins obliterated, but then you are refreshed by God's presence in the Spirit. Now, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes life feels like a prison sentence. I mean, my la last several months have felt like prison, right? And, and God doesn't always take you out of the prison. But he joins you in the cell. And there's a refreshment that happens there. So that, that's another thing you can expect. The third thing that you can expect, when you turn to Jesus is the universal restoration of all things in the future. So if you, if you read in verse 19 now, again, repent therefore and turn back that, so here's the third that, he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive, right? he, he's, he has to be in heaven right now, until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And the next week, he's, we're going to look at the, he's going to quote some Old Testament passages, and we'll look at that next week. But what he's basically saying is, Jesus is coming back in the same way that he left, right? In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, we learned that, right? After he submits all things under his feet, he's going to bring everything under his, he's been given authority, and now he's bringing everything under his authority. We don't see all things subjugated to him yet. That's what Hebrews 2 tells us. But one day we will. When he comes back, he's going to restore all things. And it's going to culminate in this new heaven and a new earth. And actually, this miracle of this lame man is a foretaste of that. It's just like a little a little Costco sample of, of, of what that future holds when he, he's, he's going to make everything new. Everything new. So maybe, maybe, maybe you, like me, maybe you've had a bad week. You've had a bad set of weeks. Bad months. And you're, you're just trying to discern what's going on and maybe, maybe you've thought before, like, man, like, am I, am I partially responsible for this? Like, what, you know, did, did, I, did I, like, somehow mess up God's will for my life? Am I too far gone now? Like, like am I fired from God's kingdom program? Right? And if, that, if you've had those thoughts before, I think what, what Peter's address is to you today, right? because the word of God is living. Not, not just, it was for them, but it's, this is recorded for us. Right? He's saying, no. Not necessarily. Return to Jesus. Submit to his authority. And then you will experience radical forgiveness. 
and you will have a refreshment of your soul, even if your circumstances remain exactly the same. And you will one day participate in a new heaven and in a new earth under the reign of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, you're good. Your plan is good. There are really ultimately no setbacks for you. And your plan is just keeps marching forward. But we don't always feel that, God. And so, Lord, meet us where we're at and refresh us now with your presence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us a longing for your appearing. Make us us a different people. Make us aliens in Turlock. Give us insight into the unseen realm, the real battles that are going on. And help us to to submit to your retraining program. We want to follow you, Jesus, but at the same time, we're very afraid, full of unbelief. Forgive us, God. Change us from the inside out. Give us eyes to see Jesus for all of his beauty. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.